Good evening, Patriots, and it's the end of Tuesday, May 23rd, in the year 2023. I was just reading an article, which I'm going to go through here in a little bit, good perspective on the sorts of challenges we have, which literally, it's the war on re- reality, which will include even the, the truth in everything we touch, including the attempts to rewrite Scripture, which is a disturbing trend It's in full swing right now, and it's something that we all have to remain cognizant of. So one thing I will say right now, in in all this time and stress that we're in, you really have to ensure good night's sleep. And obviously, there's talked a lot about that in different forms from what you sleep on, but one of the great things about a quality CBD product is that it does ensure a good night's sleep. It also reduces pain. And both of those things I can tell you and attest personally that in using products from cbdistillery.com, which I've been using now for a couple of weeks, super impressive. I have to understand, my mom has been talking about this. They've been taking, She's been taking the CBD gummies and immediately noticed a reducing pain in her neck. And that's bothered her a long time. And... That's just as somebody who's never taken CBD products at all before. And so she's completely off taking, having to take ibuprofen or anything else like that with just one addition, which is fantastic. I just can't tell you how much that makes me feel good. So I I love these products. They literally have over 2 million satisfied customers, a great quality company. And 90% of their customers have have reported that they sleep better with the CBD product. 80% said the CBD helps with their stress relief. And more than 80% say that CBD helps with aches and pains in their overall physical activity. If you know about CBD, it's all hemp-based, and it's a fantastic product that just improves the body health system. So if you go on over to CBD.com and you put in your BARDS code, B-A-R-D-S, You'll get a 20% discount on their products. You don't need a prescription. So at cbddistillery.com, the links are always below the podcast. It's a fantastic product, fantastic company is really it. And I'm very discerning, as you know, the companies that we do business with. And I've been very impressed with this company and who they are and what they represent. So I, I really encourage you to check these out. They have a wide range of products. And... Topical creams, they've got the uh, sleep aids, they've got the gummies that are easily chewable. And I've, I've been taking one every day, which has helped overall. My, like that sciatica and the lower back stuff, I've mentioned so many times that has helped tremendously. So check them out, CBD Distillery, or I'm sorry, cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com. You'll love their products. Use your BARDS code, get 20% off, and the link is always below the podcast. Reality. Reality. Man, I'm telling you. It is literally a war on that. And the funny thing is, is we know very well that reality to a lot of what we've been dealing with is a lie anyway. But it's at least the perspective of how we're able to even have conversations with one another. And... That's all under war, and and a war is being waged against it. This is the heart and soul 
of an information war. And you've heard me talk about that a long time, that the whole idea of an information war is to create so much pluralism when you are working within the spaces of reality that literally you can no longer tell up from down and left from right. So in a simple sense, imagine being a tank driver and you're inside the, the cab of the, the, the driving compartment of the tank and you're relying completely on a GPS and your digital screens to guide you. And imagine that that GPS system is hacked. You don't know it's hacked, but it's hacked. And the map looks just the same as the other. You can't even tell, except that the route that you're being led on is completely fake, and the terrain is slightly shifted. And just enough that it drives you away from the main battlefront to where you need to be and, say, drives you off a cliff or into a, into a ditch, and you're out of play. You don't even need to destroy the tank. You just need to draw it away from where it needs to be and get it separated from the main body. That's... That's a really common attempt or attack when you get into information warfare and using cyber attacks, say, on maps. That's exactly, it's exactly what they're doing with humanity right now, is they're changing the terrain map before us constantly. They're pluralizing it, and right now they're doing it at a phenomenal level. And part of the way that they're doing it is by hitting us at so many levels simultaneously. So let me read you the first couple paragraphs of this article. This was posted today, actually at 5.45 p.m. this evening on Zero Hedge, and it's, it's the war on reality revisited. So this was authored by C.J. Hopkins from The Consent Factor, or I'm sorry, The Consent Factory. It says, reality isn't what it used to be. It never really was, but that's another story. The one isn't about real. This one isn't about reality per se. It's about the war on reality, the one we're in the middle of, the war that's that started when the war on terror was canceled in the summer of 2016. It's actually an extension and evolution of the war on terror and the war on populism and the rollout of the new normal in 2020. But that is also another story. I want to focus on the war that is raging currently on the internet in people's workplaces, homes, among friends and families, and in people's heads. I'm pretty sure you know the war I'm talking about, regardless of which side, in parentheses, or in quotations, you feel you're on. The war on reality is a civil war, but it is much more than just a civil war. It is an asymmetrical, polymorphous, metastatic, metastatic uh, multiplicitous war, an ontological free-for-all. It has no conventions or rules of engagement. There are no battle lines. The battle is everywhere. Alliances shift from day to day. It is chaos unrelenting, inescapable chaos, an omnipresent, immaterial, omnipotent organism attacking itself. It is continual and completely unwinnable. It is unwinnable because it has already been won. It ended in victory the moment it began, and now we're doomed to go on fighting it forever or until some less 
ethereal Levithan is born or reborn out of its ashes. Powerful words and on point. Except one thing. And that one thing is the power of our faith and our love in Jesus. All of this is true when we sit inside the, the tunnel of information. When we sit in a world encased by the things that we accept as normal. Other than that, if we step outside of that and we walk into a lane, truly a blessing of a place where we put our faith and love in Christ and in the supernatural God, most of what he's talked about tends to just shed away. I'm going to play for you a two-minute and 35-second, two-minute and 40-second piece, roughly. This is a guy who's giving a testimony to a county commission. A really good post today in our Bards FM family room. Here's the thing. I want you to hear this, and I'm just going to warn you. At the very, very end, he drops the F-bomb, just so you're familiar, you're aware of it, so you don't have a concussion inside your eardrums or something. But this dude, listen to this all the way in the end, because he is so on point with this idea of where reality is and where it should be. Take a listen. Hello, Jim Freedom, resident of Earth. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Oh, boy, here comes that annoying freedom guy. He's coming up here to, you know, I'm the guy that thinks the Constitution trumps your meeting rules. How silly of me, I know. Uh, I don't actually believe that, though. I, I'm, I'm more aligned with Lysander Spooner, who pointed out that the Constitution has either authorized such a government as we've had or it's been powerless to prevent it. Either way, it's unfit to exist. We need something new. Uh, I do what I do just to prove that the supreme law of the land is a stupid joke and none of you follow its rules. We'll never be able to fix the problems in our society when our representatives don't play by the rules that we all thought were in place. Uh, to the people watching online or later, your anger is righteous and justified. The servants have written their own new rules that contradict freedom and use their army of order-following cowards with badges to punish enough of us effectively, making us their servants. Uh, don't you dare walk across that street in a place we don't like. Don't you dare make certain noises with your mouth that we don't like. Don't you dare try to record public court proceedings. Don't you dare grow a food garden in your own front yard. Don't you dare assemble a protest in a way or place we don't like. Don't you dare travel in a vehicle without using a seatbelt. Don't you dare sell tamales without paying for our permission first. You see where I'm going with this? These are all violations of freedom that you all just think are normal and they're unacceptable. To a society that thinks that these threats are acceptable, that's a profoundly sick society. And Krishnamurti points out it's no measure of health to be well-adjusted to a profoundly sick society. The few good things that do come out of this building could be easily replaced by voluntary systems that don't require terrorism and revenue generating for funding. You can get your money through voluntary means. You don't have to do it through the traditional ways. Just because that's been the way we've been doing it forever doesn't mean we always have to do it. I'm here to suggest that you need to dig within yourselves, not you guys, everybody else, because I know you guys are just listening until I'm done so you can say thank you and then go on with your lives. Uh, anyways, that's all I pretty much have to say with that. For the last minute, uh, I just wanted to point out one thing that Corey said that I didn't like in a Facebook, uh, it was a Facebook advertisement, and I quote, vaccines, getting vaccinated is what keeps us free to do the things we want, end quote. 
Can, can you hear how that sounds? Can you hear how messed up that sounds? I mean, I know that's off topic from everything else I had, but it just, just the people in this room, they, they even pointed out the people said one thing about an issue and then you guys said seven zero the other way. I mean, that, that's the way it is. You guys don't listen, you don't care. And I'm just here to voice that out so more people can be made aware of that because as soon as we reach a critical mass of people that are aware of what's actually happening, then we can start to work on how to change it. Last thing I wanna say is fuck your warnings. All right. And he, he, he just ends it epically, just like that, boom. All the intellectual depth goes right into the big middle finger and there you go, I'm gonna sum it up. And as we sum it up, you're all gonna get an understanding of what the truth is. As a pastor friend of mine said to me recently, sometimes even at, even at the level of the Holy Spirit, the only word that works is F-U. In these days, I'm telling you, it's an expressive. And I, I'm reading people like, I hate that word. Well, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. If you have not walked in the fields of death and war, I don't care who you are. You have not experienced the true depth and passion of that word and how it comes to real. And you're going to just forewarning. So get tough. I don't use it, but rarely. And I'm just, and there's times that there's no replacement for it. And here's the bottom line. You are now walking in war. Get used to it because you're going to hear it a lot because I'm telling you, this is evil. And I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to get lectured by people going, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, it says not to, and you're being unrighteous. I'll still wield my sword and I will still walk with God and I will still do all the deeds that he wants me to do. And I'm not going to cringe when someone expresses their hatred for this enemy, which is trying to kill your children and cut off their balls. And that's the bottom line. Unfortunately, we've become so conditioned by a world. Everything he talked about, everything we have done, we've been conditioned down to be tempered and wussy as a society. Say something and people like plug their ears. Like, oh, 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 I can't endure. You can't look at the... I looked at a website yesterday. Not a website. It was actually on Twitter. I looked on Twitter. Follow this site that's showing graphically, like with pictures, the stuff that is happening to these children when they go through the surgeries of transgenderism. I, I, I honestly, I can handle a lot of stuff. This one, I literally was about sick to my stomach. You're talking of genital area where flesh is literally rotting and they have to go back for perpetual surgeries to keep it from rotting. Hear what I'm saying, rotting. This is what they were doing to these children. And we sit here quietly and passively, and, and, I, and I'm, this is a rebuke. I'm just putting it out here and why I get yeah, I, enraged. Because we become so obsessed with the little things, like in a moment like this where someone says, ah, and you say, oh, my goodness, it's a bad word. And I'm not putting my finger at anybody. Be clear about this. This is just the general culture we have. While children are getting their balls cut off and getting their weenies snipped and get and girls are getting their breasts ripped off from them. And we literally end up with these ontological debates on whether it's appropriate to say one thing or another 
and whether heaven will allow us in. I, okay. I will tell you right now, I will gladly stand before God and say, yep, I said the F-bomb while I was trying to save kids because I'm trying to save the little ones. And sorry, Father, if I slipped, but these dirtbags need a one-way ticket to hell that are doing this to kids, and I'll volunteer it and help them along. So, and then we've got people out there that are still shopping at Target, like still shopping at Walmart. You know, I mean, this is, we've got to get clear in our lanes. So here's what I'd say it. So I just say it like this. Respect completely people that want to be completely, perfectly cleansed in their language. Got it. And I respect it. Thank you. And God bless you. But don't be caught violating other areas of your life and justify it. This is a war on all levels right now. And a lot of different people are expressing things. And, you know, I always bring up this issue of Paul. Paul is called on the road to Damascus. Let's talk clearly about what he was doing beforehand. Man, that dude was brutal. Seriously brutal. It wasn't just cutting the heads off of Christians. It was torturing them with unheard of tortures. Until to try to break Christians from from accepting or break them from their belief. So I mean, the the story of the the biblical story that we walk is brutal, and God is calling who who those whom will listen and whom will serve. I read this last night, and I think it's an important one to recap because what we went over last night. I'm pulling it up here right now, was Matthew 8, 5 to 15. And we're dealing with a centurion that Jesus talks to, and the centurion is obviously serving Rome, and Jesus offers to come to his house to heal his servant, and he says no. And he, 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 and he says, my servant is lying on the home paralyzed with intense and terrible tormenting pain. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied to him and said, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man subject to authority of a higher rank with soldiers subject to me, and I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those who were following him, I tell you truthfully, I have not found such great faith. I'm keeping in mind, this is a centurion of Rome. I have not found such great faith as this with anyone in Israel. I say to you that many Gentiles will come from east and west and will sit down to feast at the table and enjoy God's promises with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven because they accepted me as Savior. That's pretty powerful words. We have so many people that are reaching and turning, trying to learn to reach and find Jesus right now. And 
it's wonderful to see, but I will assure you that many of them, there is not a chance under this sun of any day of the time of day that they would be accepted at many of the churches around this nation. And it's because they don't have the lingo. It's because they might swear. It's because of the way they dress. It's because of the earrings they have on their head. It's because of the tattoos that they carry. And so they end up finding these alternative places to go. And that's not universal, but that's many, I'm telling you. I've had this conversation direct with pastors, and I've talked about this. It's like they've never grown up in a Christian culture. And the expectations are that the minute you come to it, you're supposed to perform a certain way. God's calling them. God's calling many of them. And the whole piece here, the the deeper part of all of this is what that, that person there was giving testimony to. We're following these silly rules, by the way. That's not moral law. Nowhere in there is that moral law. To say that I have to walk on a certain point on the sidewalk in a certain set of lines that I'm supposed to cross on. And if I don't do that, I'm subject to a ticket. In China, if you jaywalk and the artificial intelligence cameras pick it up, you are automatically fined and the amount deducted from your account for lack of obedience to the state rules. We go along with these rules. We pay taxes for goodness sake. We pay taxes. It's illegal. It's against the Constitution, and people willfully comply. And it's not the paying of taxes. It's the fact that people sign their tax return, and the tax return is a contract with the state that says you will now obey. And people comply. And that money is what is funding this war against us. We're funding our own annihilation. We have to return back to the principle of walking as the sons and daughters of the Most High. And that means we have to start taking those authorities and acting like it in the world and challenging ourselves to find those places where truthfully we arrive at a place where we start to see our own hypocrisies and start to change them. And we have many. You can't continue to fund your enemy and then say, my enemy is treating me unfairly when we're giving them the dollars to do exactly what they're doing to us. I don't know how many people are in this dark, evil movement. My guess is somewhere, there's probably a counting of about 10 to 15 million in some. Rough guess. And that includes the ideological insane that believe in every step of what they do. And then you have the the sheep within their own movement to follow them just because it's ideologically convenient and easier than to resist the beast. So we'll we'll give it 15 million. I'll even top it at 20 million. We have 324, 25, almost 330 million people in this country. And not everybody is on the same page politically, nor should we be. But there's certain principles I think almost everybody would agree with, at least a large majority of it. Let's just, for that matter, let's just take the 80 million that voted for President Trump. I'm willing to bet most of them are still willfully paying taxes that are paying for the Dominion machines indirectly, paying for the CIA, the NSA, 
the FBI to wage war against us. Most of them are still buying the products from these corporations like Target, Walmart, other places that are turning the tables against us, forcing war upon their children. How many of them are still bringing their children to school? It's quite a few because the homeschooling numbers aren't big enough yet to topple public school, but keep going. Hopefully they will. We have all the power. We have everything. The question is, are we going to defy or comply? Christ is an example of defiance as a warrior. And it should inspire us all, flipping tables, walking into the temple and challenging the Pharisees on their turf. It's amazing. And yet, I think even now we have a hard time appreciating just how profound of a warrior he was. I think it's very easy, and it's something I'm I'm challenging everybody to reflect on a lot these days, and I have for a long time. It's a simple question. Would you be able to walk the path that he did even unto the end of being pinned to the cross? And I've heard many answers from this. I've had people say, well, no, I'm not Jesus. Like, okay, I hear that. But I also hear these words when I when that's said to me. And I and I need to put this in a different context tonight to as we face what we're facing. And this is again John 14, 12 to 13. So take what I just said. And it's the principle of would you be able to walk the path that Jesus did? and even be nailed to the cross and be able to do what he did and carrying the cross being whipped to such a degree that the bone was moving out from the flesh, all that horrific stuff. Now I want you to hear, think about what I just said and listen to John 14, 12 to 13. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. I'm asking a rhetorical question for you to think about. Have you ever thought that what those words could mean is that we have to walk that true path of everything he did, including being nailed to the cross? And I think it's an extremely important question to get to. And I think it's an extremely important mentality to carry. Because if we aren't willing to step into that space I'm and commit ourselves to that, I'm not saying that you will. I'm saying, are, what you, are you willing to and which are you truly willing to commit to that? And I don't mean that lightly. Then the question I ask is, are we truly walking the path of the, of the sense of what Christ is talking about. It's a martyr mentality. It doesn't say sacrifice yourself. It says the willingness to sacrifice yourself for kingdom. Truly, these words 
What do you believe in so much you're willing to sacrifice everything to defend? That type of intensity an enemy understands. You don't have to, you don't even have to pull a sword. The enemy can read that a mile away. It's just the same parallel what I was I've been talking about in terms of open carry. And to repeat that example that I've said a couple of times here on the show, you walk into a store, we'll use Home Depot as the example, and a bad guy steps in there with the intent of doing harm. And he looks around and he sees, say, 50 people in the store. And every one of them is open carrying their sidearm. Now, there are psychopaths. It doesn't matter what they do. They will just do their deed. But the majority of of evil will step back and say, this is not the place I'm going to play because I have no opportunity for victory. Place that in the same context of concealed carry. And we'll bring this back to faith in a second. And the bad guy steps in and looks around and says, easy target. Now, granted, he's probably going to get put down. But how many will he harm before that moment is arrived at? How many will be maimed or injured before a retaliatory action is taken to subdue him? Because he read weakness in the crowd when there wasn't. That parallel works with our faith. The boldness of walking in our faith, not and concealed underneath our cloak, but rather open in the world as I am a follower of Jesus and having no problem proclaiming it. Now you take a, an evil-minded person, a demonic-directed energy at a group of people that are open with their faith, declaring Jesus, walking in that space. It's not sticking around, I guarantee you. Take a crowd then that harbors their faith within side of them, shields it from the world to see, keeps it cloaked, I guarantee you evil's coming. And by the time you get around to it and you say, I proclaim Jesus, you're going to get laughed at because they're going to say, a little bit late, I already got what I needed. I got two of your kids. All of this is the mindset of the warrior and the warrior Christ. The willingness to lean in and say brilliant, boldly who I am, what I stand for, what I believe. The power of walking this path and being able to say when Christ says, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. It's great and wonderful to frame that in terms of spreading the good news, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, and greater works. But shouldn't we also put in there a willingness to walk the path to be nailed to the cross? I'm challenging it because I think it's it's an important mindset to have if we're going into this and are truly committed to this walk. If we had 80 million people in this nation that committed that way, I guarantee you, Evil would already be hightailing it out of here, and that border would be sealed. And this garbage at Target, Target would be bankrupt right now. And Bud Light, yeah, well, that would have been gone a few months ago anyway, just by virtue of just being a bad beer. And so 
that's the, the step in the evolution, in my opinion, of, be, of stepping into the body of, the, of that space of the warrior Christ. And it's such an intense commitment. That's Paul, to be honest with you. I mean, and I think Paul gets it so well, who also wrote most of the books in the New Testament. And Paul gets it because he was in that other extreme. And I, and I personally believe that's why God chooses people like this, because they've been through the suffering to know the dark of darkness and then are offered a gateway into something of the power of life. And it's equally as intense. There's no middle ground here. And there's no mamby-pamby. There's, there's, it's intense. And that intensity in which they're stepping into is an intensity which they knew but in another place. But now they're waging war with the intensity of kingdom and a belief in the power of faith, the commanding of authorities. And obviously, I would argue, and I don't think we see much of this, but Paul has witnessed the suffering of those of Christian faith that, have, that are seeking that faith in God and Jesus. And apparently, they made an impression. My guess is that not everybody broke the way he wanted them to break because the power of the Holy Spirit was greater than anything he could wield. In this nation, we don't have a lot of context of true danger and true suffering. In fact, we have a hard time even getting around things like January 6th. Here's a name I bet you don't know. Leonard Peltier. I bet you don't know that name. Native American, part of the American Indian movement in the 70s, got thrown in jail for life without any substantive charge. Any time a petition was made for him to be released, they extended his time in jail. I don't have a latest update on him, but I can almost guarantee you if he didn't die in jail by the time he came out, he was not much left of him. This system has been broken for a long time. And we've just kind of rolled with it and become accustomed to it. And we've accepted their rules and we've accepted their compromises. We go back to the Declaration of Independence. Our rights were given to us by our creator, the life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't see how the WHO or CDC or Biden or taxes or an FBI, or an out-of-control police has anything to do with the pursuit of happiness. The moral law that God establishes for us also comes with it the condition that we are supposed to, at some point, throw off such evilness, at least stand up to it. And that, again, has to go back to the principal issues of how do we truly walk. Are you willing to walk as the warrior Christ I hesitate on some, I use it, but I'm, I'm cautious on it when we say martyr, because martyr kind of gives this idea that we want to be recognized, symbolized as a sacrifice for the cause. That is not what I'm getting at. I think that's, I think that's all deep state thinking. And if that's uncomfortable in that sense, let's put it like this. It's all Luciferian thinking. And you'll be revered and worshipped for what you have done. I, that's None of that's in my heart. It's a commitment. 
When a person asked me the other day and they said to me, how do we honor our soldiers who have died and sacrificed, made the ultimate sacrifice, but not have to bring in the politics or legacies of these wars? This is again that heart of the warrior Christ. They didn't die for a corrupted system. None of these soldiers did. They didn't die because they knew that Biden was embezzling money from China via his son, who was a crack addict or, and, a, and a lover of whores. They died because of their brother on their left or their right. They gave their lives because of their love for their brother. Or in some cases, quote unquote, their sister, meaning men and women in battle. And that's a selfishness, selfish, selflessness, excuse me, selflessness that every person needs to have. And when we get to those places, the world literally shifts. And again, to repeat that sort of impact of the open carry model, why it becomes so significant. Watch the way people react when you open carry, providing it's legal in your state, big qualifier. If you're in California, please understand it's now become illegal. In Oregon, it depends on your county. I mean, do, do know the rules of your state. So you, <laughs> I get to see this as a defense. Uh, your Honor, yes. I have a defense for being arrested for open carrying. And what would that be? I listened to it on Bards FM. He said to open carry, so I did it. And it's uh, not my fault. I, I don't. I don't think that's going to fly. He's going to look at you and go, who's this dude? Probably look at the sheriff and go, bring him in. It's like, sorry, sir, he's not in our state. Okay, well, then put out an interstate warrant for him or something so we can talk to him. Yeah, someone just said, it's perfect. Someone said, use the promo code. That's what I'd be like, uh, excuse me, judge, just use B-A-R-D-S for your promo code, and you'll get the answer. It's right there. I'll tell you. My goodness. But it is truly, it's it's because of the man on your left and your right. It's it's the love for brother of what you really in combat and what you're really sacrificing for. That and I know this is hard for some people to digest. I'm not saying anybody here, but people do have a hard time hearing this. It's like it doesn't have anything to do with the red, white, and blue. I hate to tell you. On rare occasion, maybe. But the real grit and grind, uh, grind of a of a conflict is what you're experiencing side by side. And it's you're being pitted against someone who has been conditioned to hate you as you are conditioned to hate them. Unless it's pure evil, in which case pure evil just needs to be eradicated because we don't negotiate with pure evil. So how do we honor that death and soldiers? And just to kind of close that thread, it's because we honor their heart, which is that selfless act of sacrificing yourself because or part of being with your brothers and your brethren. And yes, the tools are different. You're not just flipping tables. You're putting rounds down range or you're doing other dirty deeds. But the human existence is not one of calm and peace. And again, it's so much of this peace at any cost stuff has been portrayed out there. I'm not advocating in any way warring against another in flesh. 
But I am saying very clearly that there has to be some hard lines that we are willing to walk and some difficult paths that we have to commit ourselves to if we're going to truly commit in that idea of proclaiming our authorities in Jesus. And we have to do that to fully embrace what that is and the authorities that he's given us. Because the authorities don't anchor themselves in the world of the flesh. They anchor themselves in the world of the spirit. And it's that level of commitment when we give there, we put ourselves there, that the world of the flesh is just, we're here, we're witnessing, but we're not of this world. And it's again a reminder of that. And what we've been given through Christ is life everlasting. But what we do here echoes in eternity. So our purpose here is intense. Our mission here is intense. And God knows we've been dropped behind enemy lines. And God knows this pain that we're dealing with. Which is another thing that I've brought up before. And I think it's all ties in here because it's the honesty that we have to speak to Father with with our heart. I am one who walks a path, take it or leave it. And it's, it's not, this is not to say this is for you, but this is the path I walk. I will speak my heart openly, even brutally to father because it's what I put to him long ago that for me to know you, I have to be able to have the true sense of comfort to speak my heart, even when that is harsh. I've never been rebuked, I've, and, and quite to the contrary. And it's there that I think that the true sense of our relationship with him grows the most. And I'm not advocating you go out and start swearing like a sailor, because that's not the point here. But it is being able to express with the deepest of our pain or frustrations or our joys on all, on the other spectrum, everything in its fullness. And in this world, when we're dealing with this level of rancor and we're in the middle of this fight, it isn't going to be every single day that we have a joyous moment that we can share. That should be reality. We've gone through three years of this insanely stupid world that has left some very deep and painful scars for many. And we're not supposed to bear all those, but we're supposed to have the strength and fortitude to walk in that space and to be able to communicate to him in the most profound, honest way so that as he hears us speak our heart, he can better assist us. It's not that he doesn't know your heart. It's that we need to be truthful in speaking it to him. A sad world in one level and a glorious world in another. Because people are waking and they are stirring. But we also have greater responsibilities now to start looking around what we're doing and seeing how we live. I would love in the next, in a flash of an eye, I would love to see this whole cabal go away and see us return to a constitutional republic. But 
the speaker we heard just a minute ago made a very interesting point, which I don't know if you caught it. And that was that either way, if the Constitution has authorized such a form of government that we have now, or if the Constitution is such that it has been unable to defend against such a form of government we, we have now, something has to change because it's not functioning to the protection of the people's freedom and liberty. I don't disagree with that. Some of that is the fact that we as the people haven't done our job. I get it. But let's be honest. It's like asking all of us to a certain degree, can you walk the path of our Savior? We will try. We will seek to achieve the highest level we can. But as Christ himself reminded us, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent assault and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. And I assure you and most solemnly say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater in privilege than he. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. So our task is to push as far in as we can, to achieve the highest level we can, to embrace the authorities given with the understanding that by comparison to where we are and to what is in heaven, we're pretty small. But that doesn't change our path but it should intensify our commitment and it should refocus our resolve and it should clarify any hesitation that we have in facing the threats that we have now. And these threats need to be confronted. There's really no question when we look across Scripture that there's a couple of things that are very prevalent. Violence is a, is a common denominator. And it's violence at the hands of men or men influenced by the fallen. But I want to leave you with a strange thought, not strange, but a different interpretation. I want you to think about this. We see the victories of David because he throws a stone, and he kills Goliath and ultimately beheads him. We see the, the, the victories of Gideon as they break the pots of light and blow the horns, and the enemy turns on itself, and then once they start to fall apart, they are pursued and killed. We see the victories of Joshua after seven times, which I would argue was an opportunity for the city to accept and repent and fail to do, the walls were taken down on the seventh turn of the seventh day, and the army was unleashed on that city, and every man, woman, child, and donkey was slain. And in the moment when Peter cut off the ear to stay the attack, Jesus heals the ear, but doesn't call upon the war angels of heaven. But instead sets the trap that they knew would happen 
to have the greatest victory of all that they never saw coming. We focus on the sacrifice. What we don't focus enough on is how brilliant the strategy was to lure them in and in so doing, set all of humanity free. That's the mentality that every one of us needs to have right there. And that's profound. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening as we come together. We humble ourselves before you by our free will. And we just note a few things tonight in our prayers. It's a very complicated battle space we're in. We're in a type of war, Father, where there's no battle lines. There's really no discernible enemy at times because the war rages so much in the thoughts and minds and that affect the actions of people. And sadly, without the armor, as so clearly dictated in Ephesians 6, 10 to 18, without the armor, which you've given us to put on, people become subject to the wills of the father of lies. Father, in declaring our authority to do all of what Jesus has done and to do greater works than he, to do that even in the sense of extent and outreach. If it be your will, we're asking for something profound tonight, Father. Something that will shake this enemy to its very core. And that's miraculous healing, but very specific, Father. We prayed on this last night, but I want to reemphasize this. We're asking and declaring a miraculous healing of the children that have been mutilated by these surgeries. So powerful, so profound, so shaking that the doctors are left stunned. They even become fearful of coming near children because they know if they are touched by their hand that your hand will be greater and restore them to who they were to clear out the demonic influences, to shake from them the confusion, to restore them to the perfection the kingdom brought them into this world, and even to leave their parents speechless, humbled before you. For those parents that have been misled, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they have done. Weak, yes. Missing faith, obviously. Misguided? Exactly. So, Father, we pray for the restoration of their hearts to the humbleness before Jesus and the humbleness before the throne. But let the children be the power of the Holy Spirit to restore that strength in them, to be witness to a miracle and to be testimony for the miracles of healing. Father, this is our prayer. Say this prayer under the declaration of authorities given to us. And if this is your will, Father, we pray that this become reality, not, not casually, but instantaneously, in such a profound shaking of this earth that it can be undeniable, that it will shake 
the weak. It will embolden the strong and the believers. And it will lift up the power of the Holy Spirit through this entire nation and through this entire world. We say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We can only learn to fight in this war by being bold with that which we ask, as long as it is pure in heart, humbled before Father, without ego and without ulterior agendas. Our prayers are so important. They are warfare. And as I take always, as I rerun this cycle, this story through my prayers with Father, the lessons of Peter and Jesus in the garden, what do I see? I see us. And the way that it comes out in the story in my head is that on the left of me sits the sword of steel, which represents Peter, and on the right sits the sword of the Spirit, which represents Jesus. And it's a constant duality of trying to keep the balance of the mastery of one and the mastery of the other, knowing that at this point in my life, as I would believe it is with most, our greater mastery rests with the sword of steel because it's the world in which we grew up in. But we seek to raise up the mightiness of the sword of spirit, greater than anything we've ever imagined. They become so powerful and so mighty that the sword of the steel eventually becomes just a symbol, a reminder of where we came from and is seldom, if ever, drawn because the sword of the spirit leads and wields and crushes the enemy while raising up those that stand before us and that we have no limits. We are not boxing father in. We don't try to limit what he can do. Instead, we lean in and we say our prayers and we lead with that command of authority, even though we don't know necessarily if it will be answered. And yet we know by Scripture that it will, but it may not happen under our timeline. Our expectations, our heart, our purity of intent is always at the center of the mightiness of the sword of the Spirit. And the more that we practice, the more that we lean in, the more that we seek that from Father to ask his guidance as well, the greater warriors we become in kingdom on this earth. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for bended knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something I just want to breathe again Dive into the deepest end Oh, I want to feel something Let me get back in my body